everyone, and welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast. This is episode 16. I am your host, Delton, and with me today is my lovely wife, Haley. Yellow player. She is my yellow player. This is a tabletop games podcast. We talk about board games, tabletop games, card games, RPGs, everything like that, as well as the drinks we like to have and the fun we have with our friends at the table. Welcome to the podcast. What are we drinking today? We'll go ahead and kick into our drink today because it's a Monday night. We're very tired. I haven't been to bed at least asleep before midnight since last Tuesday. Actually, it was last Monday night. So one week ago. Basically a week ago. So I've been exhausted, just busy and doing stuff. So today we are not drinking a beer or any kind of alcohol. Egad! It is blasphemy in the Brack House tonight. Today, we have the Boulder Birch Beer. It is a basically a pop. It says made with all natural cane sugar. Small batch. It's by Rocky Mountain Soda Company, handcrafted soda pop, and it's actually certified vegan and gluten-free, but I guarantee you this gluten-free will be better than that garbage beer we had last time. It better not spill all over your rug again, Mr. Lebowski. Damn straight. It better not spill over my rug. Also, shout out to Brian. He gave us a birch beer because he's awesome and he got tired of hearing the same things every week. Yeah, we drink a lot of the same beer, which is a problem. We just need to go to a store that has a very, very large and numerous singles collection or selection, I should say, and actually have a lot of beers to choose from. But it's very hard for me to switch from the liquor store I go to now because the current liquor store that I go to most often, I am on a first name basis with the liquor store ladies' cats. So it's really hard to betray that loyalty, if you know what I mean. Yeah, the liquor store literally within like a quarter mile of our house right outside of our neighborhood everyone who works there is a teacher and they work there for extra income because oklahoma pays horribly for teachers and uh there's like two ladies in there that have cats and so Haley and them always talk about their cats it's really sad because one of the teachers has a little flyer in there that says i teach therefore i mow and so they supplement their incomes in the summertime by mowing lawns that's really depressing like super depressing pay the teachers more Or else we're all going to be stupid. Yeah, Oklahoma's 49th in education funding. Oklahoma is sucky sucked in education funding. We're really bad. You ready to give this beer a shot? Let's try this birch beer out. It looks really good and it smells delicious. It is not unlike root beer, and I really like that. It's not as powerful as root beer. It's like, it's almost... As if someone had flattened the taste of root beer. It didn't add as many spices. But it's not to the level of a sarsaparilla. Right. It's also, so if anybody has had a sarsaparilla because you grew up in the 1800s, this is between a sarsaparilla and a root beer. If you're born or lived in the 1800s or lived in Elk City, America. Either way, you're stuck in the past. Ew. You're so lame. Very lame. <laughs> Uh, so we haven't done too much. Actually, we have done a lot. I say we We've haven't done, done too lot. much. Okay, let's prepare this now. We've been busy. We put out our Cat Lady review. You can find that on YouTube. We have done our sponsored episode, last episode, with Caper Games and Vertium, their Kickstarter. Support Vertium. We have filmed our review video for That's Not Lemonade, which is Tuesday Night Games' newest game that's going to be on Kickstarter soon. I hope it's going to be up when this podcast goes public. I'm not sure when exactly. I know that they're uh, getting some other stuff done at this moment, 
It's about two weeks before this episode releases when we record it, so I'm not sure on the dates, but we're going to be on the Kickstarter page with our review video we're very happy about. Check out our squirrely mugs on That's Not Lemonade's Kickstarter page, brought to you by Matt Fantastic and Tuesday Night Games. Yeah, That's Not Lemonade is Matt Fantastic's game, and Tuesday Night Games is publishing it, so that's really cool. So we've done that. We've been doing other editing and things. I've been updating social media headers. I made some business cards. We got to go. If you live in the Oklahoma area, especially around Tulsa, we were invited by Gates, which if she's listening, hi, Gates, to an industry-style night, uh, which is kind of, it was like a soft opening of a board game cafe in Tulsa called Shuffles. The place is fantastic. We met Eric, the owner, and we got to meet some other local Oklahoma people, whether they're media creators or owners of other shops and things like that. And it was really cool to meet everyone and play in that store and meet some of the Twitter people that we communicate with and talk to and share and like their stuff. So it was really cool to go do that. And we had a blast. They're real people, too. They are real people, not just Internet people. So that was really fun going to Tulsa and doing that. We stayed up way too late, but that's okay. We got to sleep a little bit last night. Uh, We've just been playing a lot of games, which is nice because May was a very light game month and June has already started out pretty strong compared to the month before. Also, the night that we went to Shuffles, we went to a cigar bar afterward and hung out for a bit. I will not repeat this on this podcast, but if you ever see Delton in person, make sure you ask him about the dress story. Ask me about the dress story, and I will tell you my favorite story about me being far too intoxicated. And that's why I'll leave it. It is the greatest story ever told. Everyone seemed to love it that I told that night. And the best part is I have pictures to back up at least part of that story. Oh, they're saved in my favorites, man. I know. They're good pictures. Oh, gosh. But that's been really fun. We got to have a lot of game days on Memorial Day weekend. We did three different game days that weekend, which we might have talked about that on the last episode. I'm not really too sure, but... We've just done some gaming recently, and it's been nice, been very productive in terms of podcasts and videos and everything, so we've really been having a good time being productive, getting things done, getting things pushed out, and kind of back into a little bit more of an aggressive mode of content creation for us. There were so many that's what she said jokes in that one sentence, it was unreal. That's okay. I'm used to it. That's what she said? Uh... Haley used to never get that's what she said jokes. She was the worst of all time. And the people she worked with were huge Office fans. And Haley had not seen The Office, which is, I don't want to say that's where that's what she said came from, because I don't think it is. But it really pushed it to popularity, I feel like. So Haley had never seen it and just wasn't used to it and never really had that mindset. We have trained her and conditioned her and shaped her and molded her from a young Padawan into a full-blown Jedi of That's What She Said jokes. So she's, she has elevated her lowbrow joke game. I bet my mom is proud right now. Your mom is very, very proud. You know, actually, I think she would be pretty proud. So I don't think I've ever told this story about my parents' restaurant. Have I? Or bar? I have no idea, but why not? So you all who don't know, I am a bit of royalty in western Oklahoma. In royalty, you ask, how could you be royal in western Oklahoma? Well, I, Haley Twyman Brack, am the current heir to the Elk City Clinton KOA, that is Campgrounds of America. Does everybody know what a KOA is? Surely everyone knows what a KOA is. I mean, they are literally everywhere across America, but not many people care about camping, especially glamping like your parents do with an RV. But it's basically, it's an RV site with some cabins and stuff. 
So my parents bought it a couple of years ago. They revamped it, updated it from the 1970s. It actually looks really good, and it's actually a nice KOA. They did a lot of good work. But whenever they revamped the KOA, they also put in a bar. And when my mom called me up and said, hey, we're putting in this bar. It's called the Moose Knuckle. I was like, oh, that's cute. Silence. Mom says, do you know what a Moose Knuckle is? I said, no. So my mom explained to me what a moose knuckle was. That basically is the male version of a female camel toe. I have to tell you, finding out what a moose knuckle is from your mother is not any <laughs> conversation that anybody should have to go through. That was hell. In Haley's defense, she grew up very, very innocent, super naive, super Catholic, and that was where she lived for a long time. So when I was a senior in high school, one of the deacons approached me after mass and said, Haley, I was watching you throughout service. The light from the stained glass was hitting your face so perfectly you look like an angel. And God spoke to me. You need to become a nun. I want to get you in contact with some of the sisters of the archdiocese. And I said, oh, man, that sounds awesome. But I think I need to go to college first before I make that sort of decision. Four years later, well, actually seven years later, years of college later, Here I am, drinking, cussing, making that's-what-she-said jokes for free. You've developed a habit, but it's not one you wear. Uh, Oh, that was a really good one. I thought it was pretty good. All right, the pew, 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 pew. What was that? I'm trying to melt you with my mind. Oh, God. Hypnotoad. Well, that was 30 seconds of weird. What's next? Well, I'll show you. Oh, here's the door. It's straight ahead. It's it's a game. So not only are we not drinking alcohol this episode, what? We are also talking about a game that is not in English yet. What? So we ordered in the beginning of May, by we I mean I, ordered in the beginning of May The Mind from Germany. Now The Mind, if you don't know... Keep in mind, he had already spent his May board game budget in April at this point. Shh, 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 don't tell him secrets. Shh. So, I ordered The Mind from Germany. The Mind is this card game that people have blown up about. I believe, and I could be completely wrong because I get most of my information of the board game world from Twitter and Reddit, I believe that most people were able to try it the first time at Gamma Trade Show in Las Vegas this year. Now, The Mind is, like I said, a German game. It will be coming to the U.S., I believe in July. I want to say Pandasaurus Games is going to be the one who brings it over. I could be wrong, so don't quote me. Call him Eddie Murphy because he's coming to America. Yay, I love that movie. It's so dumb. Uh, The designer of the mind is a man named Wolfgang Warsch, or Wolfgang Warsch. We're doing this in the German accent, kind of. And then the artist is Oliver Freudenreich. Good job, honey. I'm proud of you. Exactly his name. That's very German. These are so German names, but that's okay, because it's a German game. So, the way the mind works. People have been raving about it. Everyone on Twitter has been raving about it. Everyone that talks about Twitter and Reddit and everything has been raving about it. Including us right now on this podcast. Yes, that's why we're doing a podcast about it. The game is comprised of cards, numbered 1 through 100, three cards with shuriken on them, which is a very weird thematic thing, and five cards with a little bunny that represents a life. It's a soul of a bunny. It's basically a bunny soul. They only get five. 
bunnies. Oh, I didn't even know bunnies wore shoes. The bunny is the shoe. So the way the game functions, you and your other players are working cooperatively. You each start at level one, which means you have one card in hand. In level two, you would have two cards in hand. Level three, you would have three cards in hand, and so on. You take that deck, one through a hundred, shuffle it. Those are the cards you'll deal out. You and your teammates then must place your hand on the table, make sure everyone is ready, then you can all pull your hands back. There is from that point forward no communication, no talking, no sounds, no signals, no counting, no blinking signals, no Morse code, nothing. It is strictly eye contact, body language, and the speed in which you play cards. This would be a great therapy game. I think it honestly would. Especially for those who have difficulty reading social cues or making direct eye contact. That is what this game is based off of. And so if you can pass maybe level five of the mind, then you have enough social cues to make it through an average day without becoming the awkward person everybody knows and looks at and talks behind their back. I think so. But what you do with this game is you have your hand of cards. There are no turns. If you think you have the lowest value card, so if you think your two is the lowest and nobody has a one, you will play your two face up in the middle of the table. Somebody else then plays a card that they think is the lowest. Or if you have a two and you have a seven and you think the seven is the next lowest card after the two you just played, you play it. So there is no turn order. Everyone plays how they deem fit to get the lowest cards to highest cards outplayed. But again, to emphasize, no communication. It is the most odd experience I've had in a board game in a while. That's just because it's the only board game that wants you to make direct eye contact with people. It really is. And it's just weird because you're waiting on someone to go or you're rushing and someone else starts to rush and then you both pause and go, oh no, uh, mm, and you're just sitting there and you don't actually say, oh no, but in your head you're thinking it. You're like, do they have a lower card than me? Is my card lower than theirs? Why are they pulling back more? Should I put my card forward? Oh, now they put their card forward. Now, what does, what does that mean? And you start thinking of all these things just based off how someone is moving a card. You have lives, which I mentioned, those bunny souls. If you play, let's say, a 33, and somebody says stop, and they had a card that was lower than that 33, no matter how many other people had a card that was lower, they all get to discard those cards, but you lose a life. If you ever run out of lives, you're done for the game. House rule, you also get 17 seconds to verbally berate that other person before you begin to play again. That's a pretty good one, actually, because I totally screwed up mine and Kyle's play, but we'll get to that. If there's two players, you go all the way to level 12. So at the end of the game, in the last level, you both have 12 cards to play with. In a three-player game, you go to level 10, and in a four-player game, you go to level 8. It gets more and more intense as it goes, as you can obviously tell. But what's funny is if you and someone else learn each other's signals pretty well, it's surprising the things that you can pull off. It really is, but it's very cool. My favorite feature of this game, aside from the gameplay, are the shurikens. Now, thematically, I have no idea why they're a shuriken. I kind of wish they would change it, but I kind of wish they don't because I like it. Because German. Yes, because the Germans, I guess, like shurikens? Maybe? Are there, are there Germans that are ninjas? Did the Germans somehow have any hand in the Shogun during feudal Japan? Was there a such thing as the German clan and they had ninjas? 
I don't think Germany was a thing <laughs> back in feudal Japan. The sad uh, thing is, I don't know if you're being serious or I'm not. not. I'm not. I love you I'm so much, serious. but I'm sorry. No, I'm not being serious at all. These shurikens in the game, at any time you're playing, anybody can hold up their hand. Kind of like you're waiting to be called on in class. If everyone raises their hand in agreement, you can all take your shuriken. You start with one. You do gain lives and shurikens as you progress through levels. But you take a shuriken, place it aside, you've used it, and everybody gets to discard their lowest card. What I like so much about this is you get to see where everyone's placed. If I discarded an 85 and everyone is playing in the 20s, you know it's a while until I'm going to be playing a card. And I really love strategically using that shuriken, even though sometimes it can throw you off. But really, that's the entire game. It's just all about the eye contact, the body movement, reading timing speeds. And it's so interesting. And at first I was like, this is pretty neat. Yeah, I liked that. And then the more I've played it and the more I've played it and the more people I've played it with and different people, the more fun I've had with this game. It is the easiest game to teach, the most difficult game to win, but the simplest way to have fun with the board game that we've had in a while. It really is. I mean, you set it on the table and say, all right, here we go. And then you're pretty much off. I mean, there's not much describing to do. The box is small. It's great. There are bunnies. There are bunnies. Every card has a bunny on it with some descriptor of something. It's all in German, though. So, yay. Yeah. But it really is a cool game. It's just weird. Like, if you have a low card, like a two or a three, it's very easy for you to just slam that card down as fast as possible when the round starts, just to make sure you get it in there. That's what she said. God dang it, I paused too, and I caught it, and I was like, oh no, I gave her too much time. You slam that card down, and then out of nowhere, someone just goes, <sighs> and they had the two. And they didn't act fast enough, is what it comes down to a lot of times. Or you acted slightly too fast. But if you would have waited like another second or two, someone with a six could have played it, thinking they had the lowest card. And so it's this weird mind game, why it's called The Mind, of everyone trying to think on the same page and the same speed and the same level and develop a system of eye contact, body motion, body language. And it's just, it's crazy. It's such a weird social experiment, almost. I, I don't know. It's just really, really interesting. Isn't this game up for the Spiels de Yaris? It is up for the Spiel de Yaris. I think it's just up for the standard one, yes. Along with a couple other games I have not played or heard of. But I think the mine's probably going to win. No, wait. It's up against Azul. That's right. If it's in that category, it's up with Azul. And I think Azul's going to take it because Azul has a ton of people raving. I mean, Azul is awesome. Don't get me wrong. But the mind is just the most versatile game. I mean, I think that you could, I mean, it says eight and up on the box. And I really think you can teach this easily to an eight-year-old in the same way you could teach it to a 25-year-old. It's just that simple of a game, simple of components. It is. It's not fiddly. There's not things to move, things to keep track of. It is the simple action of playing a card. And you could teach this to anybody. If you have people that don't like playing games, they will enjoy this and have fun. It is a great like introductory game to your family, I think. Or any friends that are like, board games are stupid. You're like, well, just play this one with us. Come on, you'll have fun. And likely they're going to have a blast. I don't see people really hating it. I could see not really caring for it. But I don't think anybody's going to turn down a game. If you were like, hey, we all want to play the mine, you want to join? They'll be like, yeah, it only goes to four, but I think you can almost always find four people. 
I thought it went to six. No, it's just a four. I was wrong. Yeah, like always. You get this once. That's my one for the week. Yay. (laughs) Right. I'll probably never do anything right again. (sighs) We highly recommend keeping an eye out for the mind. Highly, 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 highly recommend it. What? I don't. I know it's not like I was saying Haley. I was saying highly. Just too fast and weird. I've had a lot of soda at this point. We are doing such a weird podcast when we're not drinking. We're making the stupidest puns and making the weirdest <laughs> sounds. Like we had a whole 30 seconds where you're just doing the hypnotoad. I know. And now you're saying Haley like 55 times. I'm saying highly. But we, you we are highly, saying highly, 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 highly. We're never doing this sober again. <laughs> this sounds, is terrible. It sounds like a redneck Haley. Hi, Haley. What are you doing? That's why I responded to it. I grew up in western Oklahoma, it, you ass. It just sounded like you were back home. Hey, Haley, get out here and scrub the porch while I'm barbecuing for mama. No, it's this. Highly Lane. Yeah, that's, that's accurate. That's what I got. Highly Lane. That's so loud. You're yelling at our listeners through the microphone. I have to emulate my father. Yeah, that's actually even more accurate now. Would you like me to give the, the eye contact as well? It's just a wrinkled brow. Highly it's, Lane. It's just this constant disapproving stare. You on drugs. Oh my gosh. We recommend the mind. Keep an eye out for it. Like I said, I think Pandasaurus is bringing it in either at Origins next week or in July. I don't remember, but it will definitely be at Gen Con if you go. If you don't, it should be ready for order at the end of summer or before the end of summer. So definitely, definitely get your hands on it. Some people do think that this is not a game. One of those people being Tom Vassell, the head of the Dice Tower clan or gang or family, whatever you want to call it. Don't you mean Tom Bastel, Top 100 Games of All Yes. He does not think it's a game, or at least barely a game. And I think I don't agree. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. See, I respect Mr. Vassal. I met him at Gen Con last year. He is a very tall man, so I both respect and fear him on on multiple levels. But I have to say I disagree with him. I do believe that the mind is a game. I think that a lot of things can be games. Really, anything can be a game. I don't think there really can be a label on what is a game. A game is just something that you play, that you use to entertain yourself, that you use to challenge yourself or challenge others. It's a way to bide the time and keep the organ that is your mind healthy. It's a way to exercise the organ that is your brain. Because we get bored. Humans need stimulation. There's a famous study called Rat Park. You can watch videos on it, of it on YouTube. But basically, they had rats in cages with toys, cages with friends, cages with toys and friends, and just cages with nothing. In every single cage, the rat was given the choice of water or cocaine water. Rats that had toys and rats that had toys with friends drank little to no cocaine water. The rats that were solitary drank solely cocaine water almost always until they died. Humans are like rats in that regard. We need stimulation. I believe that's why we seek out games. That's why we find them so entertaining because our brains need stimulation. And so just because it doesn't have a board, I don't think that doesn't make it a game. Just because it is simple, only goes off of body language. It doesn't make it not a game. It might be a different kind of game than something like Azul or something like Ticket to Ride or something like TI4, but it's still a game. But I think that you can make a game out of just about anything. So I agree that you can make a game out of anything for sure. 
And the psychology behind that, yes, that's a very sad experiment to perform on rats. Hello, darkness, my old friend. It's still something that is eye-opening. And yes, we hate those experiments now. And it's like, why do we do this? But at the same time, we learned so much through the course of those kind of experiments. It's just very, a very, very dark and sad truth about how we advance technologically, psychologically, and things like that. Okay, back to the game. I agree that anything can be a game. I look at it the way we did in my philosophy of games class. So I take a bit of a philosophical stance on it. We read a book called The Grasshopper, Utopia, Life, and Games, or Games, Life, and Utopia, something like that. Very, very good read. But it talks about what defines a game. What makes the game something we want to do? What makes a game different from a non-game? Why do humans play games? Questions like that is what it tries to answer. One big thing I took from it, which is part of the definition of what a game is in that book. The thing I took from it was is that we put unnecessary, inefficient methods to obtaining a goal, and that's what makes a game. That's like a super summarized version of their definition, which is only like two sentences. But if you played football, the goal of football is to take your ball and put it in the end zone. You can literally walk down the field and place it there, and you've won. You mean I can be an athlete? You could be a pseudo-athlete, yes. Woo! But instead, we say, no, we have to stop at this line. There must be defense to defend against us. We have to either throw or run with the ball. If we pass this certain line, it resets our time. We only get four chances. And we add all these inefficient stipulations on such a simple objective. And that's what makes it the game. A very, very simple version of this to think about is running. If you were just out running, that's not a game. You're just running. You're just having a good time, you know, exercising. But let's say you're trying to work on your pace and you're trying to work on your time for an upcoming race. That rhymed and it wasn't supposed to. And then rhymed kind of rhymed again. That was strange. And you say, okay, I want to be able to run an entire mile and I want to do it in seven minutes and 30 seconds. You have now put a stipulation on your speed. Instead of running at whatever pace you want, you don't have to run fast enough to do it within that time. That in starts to make it a game, especially if it's a race where you're actually competing against another person to be faster than they are to walk across a goal line. In that race, you could just cut across the field and say, I won. I got here first. Well, no, the stipulation is you can't just run and get there first. You must follow the track. You must stay within the bounds. You must follow these inefficient methods of getting to this goal point. One of their other examples was golf, that you could just walk over and drop the golf ball in the hole and be like, I win, yay, hole in one. But no, you must use this silly little club with some silly shorts and a dumb hat, and you have to hit this ball and try to make it into that hole from like 300 feet away or 500 feet away, whatever. We add these stipulations, and that's how games happen. So with a game like The Mind, yeah, we could just play these cards, one to a hundred, but making it where, okay, there's no talking. Okay, there's no signals. There's no counting. It's all off of sight, body language, movement. You can't show people your cards. You can't tell people what you have. You have only so many lives to get through these levels. Adding those inefficient means of getting to that simple goal makes it a game. And it makes it fun. We enjoy these kinds of things as humans. We like it. And that's, I mean, pretty much every game we have. Yeah, you can take a normal board game. Not normal. Not that the mind's not normal, but it kind of is abnormal. You take any other board game like Ticket to Ride. 
and it's about placing trains on the track to fulfill cards. Well, you could just do that. Right, but it's those constraints that make it fun. The that make it invigorating. Exactly. That challenge you and keep you entertained. Yep, that's exactly it. And the mind has all of that. It's just that most people look at the inefficiencies. I keep saying inefficiencies. The inefficient means of attaining a goal. Any other board game, any sport. Those inefficient means are very detailed and complex. Even with Ticket to Ride, it's you're shuffling a deck, you're drawing cards, you're having to collect sets of cards, you're having to play those sets of cards to then put your trains down. The mind just says, eye contact and body language. That's all you get. It's the simplest version of utilizing inefficient means in a game. I think it just takes everything else and compacts it and compresses it into the most basic version of that. Into a diamond. And it's phenomenal. It really is. So I think Delt and I both agreed that, yeah, we would call it a game. And I have the yep. psychological stance, you have the philosophical stance, and we just both like to argue. So well, we don't argue, we just talk. Yes, we both like to hear ourselves talk. So I think we both do consider it a game. So what are some other things that you consider a game, Delton? And now, join us for a Malthouse Games podcast special, Pie Size Question. So the question today is, what things that we've done, or do, or want to do, I guess any of that, that could be considered not a game, do we consider a game? Can I talk about mine? Go ahead. So I'm bringing it back to church, y'all, for the second time this episode. So whenever I was a kid, uh, we would spend our summer vacations going between my grandma B's house, who's batshit crazy and I love her to death, and spending summer days with my grandma Joyce, who was and is the secretary of the Catholic Church. And so basically, we'd get there at 7 o'clock in the morning with her and stay till 5 o'clock at night whenever she left. And we just had runs of the church grounds. So most of the time, we spent our days in the church basement where the youth room was. There's a pool table down there. So it's my cousin, who was only a few months older than I was, and my sister is two years younger than I, and then myself. We didn't know how to play pool. I mean, we were like eight or nine years old. We'd only been to the family bar a few times. Yeah, we went to the bar a few times. That's no joke. Her uh, uncle owned a bar for a long time. But we really weren't able to play pool in the bar because all the adults were, because the adults are supposed to play pool in the bar, not eight-year-olds. But when I was about eight or nine or so, I would say, we would go down to the pool table and we invented a game called Wooji Ball. Now we use pool sticks. We use the balls. We use like the little triangle thing. What's the triangle thing you used to set the balls? I always just call it the rack because you rack the balls. I guess that makes sense. We use the rack. And we created a game. It was nothing like pool. I mean, it was similar, but we had our own rules. And every summer for about three or four years, when we would come to hang out at the church, we would play this game, same rules and everything. Technically, it's not a game. But to us, it was a game. We made our own constraints. We had our own rules. And there were winners and losers. It probably sucked as a game. I could not tell you what it was like today. Maybe my cousin or my sister can. But to us, it was a game. And that makes sense. I mean, that's one thing that someone could be like, that's not a real game. Like, no, yes, this is a real game. We had rules and we played it every summer for three or four years in a row while listening to Toby Keith on repeat. That sounds like the worst part. In a church basement. That's the second worst part. Eh. Eh. So the one that I can think of is back home. Now, I only played this one time and it nothing came of it because it was like winter and everything was gone. But... We had a game back home called Critter. You hopped in someone's vehicle, 
and everyone goes out to the country. So we lived in a small town in western Oklahoma, about 1,200 people. There's countryside and farmland all around the town everywhere. And we would just go cruise it. We all had pickup trucks at the time. So that's what we did as we drove around out in the country. The way the game was played is you just drive around, listening to music, chatting. We were not the group that was driving around drinking. However, there were plenty of those, which is terrible, especially because they're all underage. It still happens. But we drove around, and any time you see any kind of critter, that to make that a possum. Define critter. Any kind of animal, any kind of creature, a possum, a turtle, a bunny, if you spot a bat or like a bird or a, you know, a raccoon, something like that, you have to say critter and put your hand against the roof of the vehicle. The last one to do it has to remove an item of clothing. So this is a super redneck version of strip poker, except without any skill involved. It was just who's paying the most attention to the road and all the animals around. The reason this is a game, I will argue this is a game, is because we could have just taken our clothes off. Problem, just, just it's done. Then everyone gets what they were kind of going for anyway, I guess? Is anyone really going for that, or just like the act of it? I think it's just the act of it, of somebody being embarrassed for losing, but I don't know. But you could have all just taken your clothes off, or somebody could have just taken their clothes off, and you're like, boom, there you go. But no, we have to play the stupid game, driving around in someone's stupid car with a bunch of stupid people. Uh, stupid truck. Stupid truck. And call out Critter when you see an animal, and then someone takes off a single piece of clothing, which usually was like a shoe, and then a sock, and then a hat, <laughs> because we were all like 16, 17 years old. And this is a game, though, because we had constraints on it. We had inefficient means to achieve the goal of embarrassing slash declothing somebody in the vehicle. Whether it be guy or girl, it happened all the time. Everyone had it. The funny part was the stories you would hear where the person driving was the worst one and ended up in nothing but like underwear and socks on the way back to town, which is hilarious, if not past that. Make your way back to town. Make your way back to town. Make sure you pick up the bottles out of the back of your truck in case you get pulled over. Or your daddy sees. Oh, no. Pew, pew, pew. Oh, my God. Okay, that's enough of that. We're never doing this sober again. We're really not. Well, not that we get drunk, but a little alcohol, you know, it helps. But it, it's a game. It really is a game. Playing Critter was always something we considered a game, and I don't think you can't consider it that. It's just a very weird thing that high schoolers did and probably do, and I'm pretty sure definitely do. Not it's called just Padiddle now. It was you, never, I well, was in college. You guys called it Padiddle, but in Geary it was Critter. And you know how- We're more those, sophisticated. Well, yeah, your town's like, what, 10 times the size of mine? Hell yeah, it was. So my town had 1,200 people. Haley's had 12,000 people. We got a Walmart. We got a Homeland. We got a Walgreens. We got a Wendy's. We got all that shit. Yeah, we had one, two restaurants in town, a gas station that had gas station food, and you had to drive at least 20 minutes, maybe 25, to the closest Walmart. So my town was crappy and still is and full of a bunch of meth heads and houses that have been blown up by meth labs and raided by police. And you think I'm joking? I'm seriously not. But we have a family dollar there now. That's nice. That's like the first actual store they've ever had. Right down the street from the Rusty Bucket Diner. And the Broadway Cafe. Woo! Woo! I think that pretty much sums up this episode. <laughs> <a little laughs> More <bit>. sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> More weird sound effects and weird stories about weird stuff. Uh, one of those episodes. But that's okay. Thank you for listening. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening to episode 16. Hopefully you go pick up The Mind when it's available or do what we did and do Amazon.de, which is Deutschland, which is Germany. So you can do that. 
order it from there, wait till it hits the US, whatever, but we definitely, definitely recommend it. But thanks for listening. If you could, hit us up on social media. It's at Malthouse Games on all social media. We have some videos up on YouTube and plan on doing lots more. It just takes a little time. Go check those out. Give us a thumbs up and subscribe. Really helps us out. If you guys want to contact us through email, we have contact at malthousegames.com. I am Delton Brack at Delton Brack on social media. Haley Twyman Brack at S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-Y-G-E-K. And I think that's really all we have to say today. And we will talk to you guys, I guess, next time. Thanks for listening. Sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.